Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and my goal on the Bible in Life is to provide down-to-earth Bible teaching, clear, understandable, rooted in the language of everyday life. It's what I call blue jeans theology. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of the show. And let me begin by just saying thanks a ton to each and every one of you who make the Bible in Life ministry, the Bible in Life podcast, completely possible by your generosity. This is really a listener-supported show. Couldn't do it without those of you who generously give to make this possible. So thanks a ton. And if you want to join the team, if you've been blessed or impacted in some way by the Bible in Life and you want to join the team of donors and supporters, you can do so at the link down in the notes below. Uh, All donations are received in partnership with a ministry called World Family Missions. And so the link to that is down in the notes below. All right. We have been in a series over the last couple of weeks that we're looking really at the tension that we live in at this point in God's plan of redemption and salvation. So let's begin this episode with just this idea of temptation. Temptation. Who doesn't experience that, right? Like temptation. You've experienced it. I experience it on a regular basis, some days more so than others. Some things aggravate us, frustrate us. We're we're tempted to do what's wrong. In fact, the James, the letter to James in James chapter one says that the ultimate origin of temptation is our own evil desires. That's not always comforting, but it's true. If, if there's not a desire towards something, you can't be tempted by it, right? It can't be something that draws you along. And so we're tempted by our own evil desires. First uh, John chapter two, verse one says, my little children, I'm writing to you that you may not sin. But if you do sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so we're all confronted by temptation and sin. And and even the Apostle John there in 1 John is just honest. Like, I'm writing to you so that you wouldn't sin. And yet if you do, right, like that's kind of our experience. We we know we shouldn't. But if we do, uh, thankfully, John says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we're all confronted by temptation and sin. And so here's the question. For this episode, then, the question is, well, if that's true, if we're all confronted by it, if, you know, though we want to avoid it, we still capitulate to it at times, if that's true, how can the Apostle Paul say, we've died to sin? We've died, like accomplished fact. How can he say we've died to sin? And yet, he does. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? And that's playing off the end of Romans chapter 5, where he's talked about how where sin increased all the more, grace super increased all the more through Jesus Christ. So should we just continue in sin that grace may increase? And here's his answer in Romans 6 2. Far from it. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Notice that. What's Paul's basic answer? His answer is, well, we died to it. We died to it. So how shall we still live in it? Um, in other words, we're, we're dead to sin. I was the Bible speaker at a youth camp a number of years ago. The director of the camp was a personal friend of mine. Midway through the week of camp, so we're like three days into camp, 
And the director and I decided to go for a drive together, go into the town that was nearest the camp area, and they had a great little spot to get milkshakes. So we were going to go in, get milkshakes, just hang out for a little bit this one afternoon of camp. And so as we're driving into camp, uh, he or into town, he asks me, so how do you think the week of camp is going? And it was going great. Kids were doing good and things were good. Everyone was having fun. It seemed to be going really well. So I told him that. I think camp's going great, except <laughs> there was a problem. Except the entire theme of the week is a complete misunderstanding of the main text for the week. And the main text was Romans chapter 6. And so I told him, like, the entire theme of the week of camp is based on a misunderstanding of Romans chapter 6, the very passage that you say is the theme text for the week. And the reason for that is because the theme of the camp was you need to die to sin. But Romans 6 doesn't say that. We just read Romans 6, 2, right? It doesn't say you need to die to sin. It says you already have died to sin. There's a difference between those two things, a significant difference between those two things. And so I pointed this out to my friend as we drove into town, and he was shocked. He, his eyes got big. He literally swung the car off the side of the road and said, wait a second, what are you talking about? And he and I walked down through Romans chapter 6 together, and I pointed out what the text actually says. We already did die to sin. Now, does that mean that everything we were saying at the camp was all wrong? Well, no. Uh, it doesn't, actually. The full biblical idea is actually this. We have died to sin, but sin's not dead, so we need to kill it. <laughs> That's the full biblical idea. So let's unpack that over the next little bit on this episode. Now, Romans chapter 6 is where we started. Let's just keep reading that. Romans 6 1 through 4, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we, there's the dying to sin part, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? So we already have died to sin. Paul asked the question then, or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? So Paul locates this idea of uh, dying to sin in connection with our baptism, because baptism embodies that experience, that act. And so don't you know, like, when you came into Christ, and then were baptized into him, right? Like, when you entered into Christ, you were baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. And so, we have died to sin, and we've been resurrected. We've experienced phase one of our resurrection with the goal that, with the result that, we could walk in a new kind of life. Paul then goes on in verses 5 and 6 of Romans 6 to actually flesh out this death to sin in very, very stark, dramatic terms. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 6, 5 and 6. For if we have become united with him, with Jesus, in the likeness of his death. And the answer is, we have. That's happened. Paul just described that in 1 through 4. So if that's happened, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We've experienced phase 1 of our resurrection. And then he says this in verse 6. Knowing this, this is what we need to know. This is what Paul assumes the Roman Christians knew. This is therefore what he assumes we know. And oftentimes we don't know this. So we need to know this. 
that our old self was crucified with him. Notice our old self is our in-Adam self, our pre-Christ self, our old identity, who we were outside of Christ, our fallen, fleshly, broken identity, our old self. Notice what he says, not should be crucified, not needs to be crucified, was crucified, accomplished fact already. Our old self was crucified with him. And the reason for that, the goal of that was this, in order that our body of sin might be done away with. What does it mean by body of sin and then done away with? Well, the idea of done away with is nullified, canceled, rendered void of its power. That's the idea. Not eliminated or gotten rid of, but like it, it no longer is in charge. It no longer is effective. It doesn't have power anymore. And our body of sin, really, in Paul's total theology here in Romans 6, 7, and 8, you, you get this real clear. Our body of sin is our body that has learned habits of sinning and that is really like constantly responding to various stimuli in sinful sorts of ways. And so what he means by that is this, this body has by through which we experience life has developed all sorts of tendencies and habits and response mechanisms that uh, lead us into sin. And he, now he's saying that's no longer in charge. That no longer has to carry sway. You don't have to do what this body wants you to do. And so it's sucked dry of its power is really the idea. It's sinful power so that the further result, we would no longer be slaves to sin for the one who has died is freed from sin. So what Paul has just said in Romans chapter 6 is that uh, we've died to sin. It, it was such a complete death that it's like a crucifixion has happened of our old identity. The result of that is this body that we, though we've, we've been resurrected, we experienced phase one of our resurrection. We're still looking for phase two. Talked about that in last week's episode. We're still looking for the redemption of our body. But in the meantime, this body is no longer in charge and doesn't have to sin anymore. And so the result of that is we're no longer, we don't longer need to be slaves to sin. Um, so Paul then says in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, so you've got to think about yourself this way. This is what you need to know this, and then you need to apply it to yourself and actually begin to think of yourself uh, along these lines. And so in verse 6, or verse 11 of chapter 6, he says, so you too, Consider yourselves, calculate yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so you're dead to sin, but alive to God. And we, we have died to sin. That relationship is over. Sin is no longer in charge of our life. But here's the problem. Sin's not dead. And that's the overlap, right? You are here. We began this series saying, locating ourselves on the map of salvation history by saying, you are here. We live in this period of the overlap from where eternal life and the age of heaven, the life of heaven has broken into the here and now through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Spirit. But the old age, the present evil age, as Paul calls it, hasn't gone away. It's not totally eliminated yet. And that's the reason we have this tension. So on one hand, we've died to sin. On the other hand, sin is not dead. So look what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. He says, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its desires. Catch that. 
You've died to sin. He just spent 11 verses telling us, you died to sin. Your old self was crucified to it. Um, therefore, your body of sin is no longer in charge so that you don't be a slave to sin. He's just told us all that. But then he gives this command, now live it out. Now live it out. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its desires because sin is still alive and well. It's still part of the present evil age. It's still here. It's still alive and well. It's still barking out orders. It still wants to try to dominate, and you have to actually fight against it and resist it. So you're dead to sin, but sin is not dead. So he says in verse 13, don't go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your body's parts as instruments of righteousness to God. What this is, is really a call to live out our identity. We are those who are alive from the dead. We are those who have died to sin with Christ, been raised up with him, so we have new life, so we need to live that out in the concrete way we arrange our life. We don't go on offering the parts of our body to sin to do its bidding. Instead, we offer our, the parts of our body and our whole self to our new master, God himself, so that we can do what he wants us to do. And that has to do with the concrete way we rearrange our life. For more on Romans chapter 6 and looking at the details of it and explaining it in more detail, again, check out the listener's commentary on Romans 6. It'll walk you down through that in detail if you have questions about that. But the point here is we're living during this overlap. And so although we have died to sin, Sin is alive and well, and thus we have to rearrange our life to not go on sinning. Uh, we have to rearrange our life to li uh, live out who we are uh, at the present time, who God has made us. God has made us those alive from the dead in Christ, so we've got to rearrange our life to live that out. And thus, we have sometimes we have to put sin to death. That's the language Paul uses elsewhere in his letters. In fact, in a few paragraphs, he'll use it here in Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, Paul says this, So then, brothers and sisters, we're not under obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We don't have to live that way anymore. We owe nothing to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you're going to die. That's a dead-end street. That's just where that road leads. But if, catch this, if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you are Putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So sometimes that's what we got. Part of rearranging our life to live out our new identity in Christ is putting to death the sinful deeds of this body. So the body of sin is no longer in charge, he said in Romans chapter 6. Here in Romans chapter 8, he's telling us how to live that out. You live that out by, uh, by putting to death the deeds of the body through the power and help of the Holy Spirit who is in you. And if you do that, that, that leads to life, right? Or Paul says it in Colossians chapter 3 this way, three, Colossians 3, 5. He says, Therefore, put to death the parts of your earthly body to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Put the parts of your body to death to those kinds of things. And so the old language is mortify the flesh. Put it to death. Uh, put the since you are dead to to sinful things, since you've died to sin, put sin to death. That's the idea, and that's the overlap. That's the tension. 
And so the only thing that makes it possible, in fact, to put to death the deeds of the body is the fact that we've already died to sin, already experienced the life of heaven, already experienced phase one of our resurrection. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We have a new identity. We have a new life in Christ and new power by the help of the Spirit. And as a result, we can live uh, we can live out that identity through the help of the Spirit and put to death the misdeeds of the body. That's how it works. So we've died to sin, accomplished fact. But because of the overlap, sin's not dead. It's not totally removed. It's alive and well on planet Earth. And as a result, we have to kill it in our own concrete experience by the help of the Spirit. And we need, therefore, to rearrange our life. We need insight and discernment and uh, all of that in order to put sin to death. And the way that concretely looks for us oftentimes is what Paul described there in Romans chapter 6, 12 and 13, where we rearrange our life and we're like, no, I'm not going to make it easy for temptation to call my name. So I'm not going to go places and do things that essentially presents the parts of my body to sin. I'm going to remove things from my life that stir up sinful desires in my life. Uh, I'm going to remove them as far as it's possible for me so that sin no longer has the opportunity to try to boss me around because it's not my boss anymore. On the flip side, I'm going to begin putting things into place in my life, and I'm going to begin going places and reading things and listening to things that present myself to God and present the parts of my body to his service to do his bidding. And so I'm going to in other words, I'm going to rearrange my life and I'm going to interrupt the normal course of affairs so that uh, it's more likely that I will obey God and do his will than I will listen to sin and do what he wants. That's what we that's how we put to death the deeds of the body. We do so by concretely rearranging what we do in our body so that increasingly and progressively, God's in charge. God's will gets done. Our body learns to respond to his will, his stimuli, his word, rather than the sinful stimuli that we used to respond to. And so as we live here in the meantime, temptation will be a reality. Uh, we are not going to totally get away from it. We're not going to be completely immune to it. The present evil age continues to overlap with the age to come. And yet we have new power, new strength to live differently, to put to death the deeds of the body, to resist temptation and to do what's right because of God's spirit who now dwells in us. And that's why you hear in 1 John chapter 2, 1, that passage we read way back at the beginning, we, we hear in 1 John 2, 1, that really wise balance from the Apostle John. My little children, I'm writing to you that you might not sin, that you should not sin. That's the goal. That's a realistic possibility that we sin less and less and less. But if we happen to sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so increasingly and progressively, we put off sin. We begin to do what's right. We do so by the power of the Spirit and by the regenerating work that has happened in us in union with Christ, right? We've died to sin in union with Jesus. 
And so we put off sin more and more and more. We put to death the deeds of the body more and more and more. And in those moments where temptation still gets us and trips us up and knocks us down, we pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off, we thank God for his grace, we praise him for his spirit, and we get back to living who we really are. We are people that are dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I pray that you have a wonderful week in Jesus, that you walk in union with him by the power of the Spirit. So God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Hope you have a great week in Christ. Look forward to talking to you again next week.